your source for all things Everton and welcome to another podcast where we'll be starting off as usual with the extra time segment where Thomas and Teddy will be here to look back on another dreary display in the 1-1 draw against Southampton and then I'll be back alongside Terry to look ahead to our upcoming away fixture against Wolves in another match preview segment as you know the segments are separate on YouTube so without further ado I'll hand you over to Thomas and Terry for the Southampton extra time segment my name's Thomas, back with an extra time video, joined by Terry this morning. Uh, this is the, the morning after last night's quite disappointing result uh, against Southampton. Um, this is where we're going to go into a bit more detail than kind of the instant match reaction, but kind of start off from the first half. Obviously, we, we played very poorly. We couldn't really handle Southampton's press at all. Um, Ings was causing us a lot of problems in behind. How much did we improve in the second half, do you think, Terry? And how do you think, you know, it, at, from my perspective, from our first half performance, I don't think a point was actually that bad in the end, um, considering you know how badly I thought we played. Obviously, going into the game, I was kind of after three points at home um, to Southampton, who were obviously just below us in the table. But kind of from the first half, I was quite happy with a point in the end. Yeah, to, to be fair, I, I, considering what I was thinking in the first half, I was <laughs> I was I'd spit your hand off for a point because. We were just getting murdered in that first half, weren't we? We couldn't live with them. And um, it's got to be said as well, like, you know, everyone's looking at it like it's top trumps, like, oh, well, Southampton aren't as good as us. Why have we looked so terrible? Southampton have looked pretty good since they came back, you know what I mean? They've, mm. I mean, they look, you can see why when, um, you know, in the first half yesterday, they had energy all over the pitch and, you know, we're combative in midfield. We were, we just seemed like a yard slower than all their players. and. And um, second to every ball, everything was just terrible, and it was not a good half. But um, you said you touched on it then the improvements in the second half. Ancelotti's bailed us out again with a tactical change, hasn't he? Like it doesn't make sweeping changes to personnel, but just slight changes to the shape and to, to um, you know the roles some of the players are playing completely evens out the game. Now we we not to say we suddenly were on top in the second half, but it was more of a match in the second <laughs> half rather than. Beaten, which is what we were taking, but it didn't tell me anything I didn't already know. Like, you know, going into these runner games, I thought we're going to get some some dodgy performances. You know, fitness is going to be a thing. Uh, we're going to have um, players who get exposed a little bit who aren't as used to playing in our system. Now, I know people saying, Well, don't play the 4 4 2 if your midfielders can't do it, but it, it suits the back four, it suits the strikers. I, I'm not up for changing the formation. To, to accommodate some of our worst players, we've got we're playing four four two. They'll have to do the deal with it and and um, just do what they can, and then we'll replace them in the summer. So, I, yeah. Long story short, I was I was happy with the point considering what the first half was like because I think we were looking at before down going into half time. Yeah, yeah, I agree with what you said there that we didn't really learn anything new in this game. I mean, obviously, central midfield was. Shocking again, uh, but we already knew that. Obviously, Gomez just looks like kind of a shell 
of the, of the player that he that he was, which you can expect after a long term injury. But he clearly just doesn't look fully fit. He hasn't played loads of games even since he's been back from his um, his injury, which obviously it feels like it has been because it's been quite a few months now. But obviously he just he was way off the ball. I thought Davies was poor again. He, he doesn't really get involved. And I think it it's quite it's quite interesting that all our best attacks were kind of coming kind of just bypassing centre midfield. Obviously, Digne's ball into Richarlison was a very good pass. Skipped them all completely. And in the second half, I think, the majority of the problems that we did cause, I mean, we, did, we didn't create loads, but the problems that we were causing were kind of coming from almost kind of long ball, which is kind of almost what we have to do to beat Southampton's press. They just had so much more energy. And that's kind of, I think, what we're after in our team. We need more energy because, obviously, Cavalier and Richarlison can press as much as they like from the front. But if you've got nothing kind of just behind you in centre midfield, you kind of chase them a lost cause and I definitely don't think we'll learn anything new like you said there and obviously what's definitely not something new is Lee Mason's refereeing performance and then VAR we'll, we'll touch on it slightly because obviously this isn't, this isn't the VAR show but another shocker from Lee Mason I think we've kind of come to expect that now but I think it was three uh, there was three penalty decisions yesterday in the Premier League match and I confirmed they got them all wrong obviously it was our penalty which I mean, I, I tweeted this last night, but at first look, I was like, oh, no, it's a, it's a lazy challenge. Gomez has left his foot in. All I had to do was watch it one more time. And I was like, no, he hasn't. It, Ward Prowse was already going down. I understand that. I mean, Lee Mason should have had a better angle on it anyway, I think. But I think you can understand that kind of the speed that, you know, football goes out in the Premier League. It's like, oh, he's left a foot in, he's gone down. That's that's the whole reason VAR's there. All VAR has to do is look that one time and go, no, he's going down so much earlier. I mean, Gomez literally, he almost tries to pull out of the challenge as well. He like, he kind of turns his body away. And, but, but that was given. And it, it's kind of, it's what we've come to expect, really. Obviously, I, I can imagine what your views are. But I think, I, I do like VAR, but I think the massive problem is video assistant referee, and it, it's meant to help, but it's still run by the same referees that are on the pitch. You know, they, they don't want to overrule each other. And it's the I mean, it's as if they're in such a close knit group. They're not gonna. They don't want to overrule the the match official on the on the pitch, which is disappointing because we do have the screen and they use that in Europe. But for some reason, we've decided we don't want to do that. Surely, if Lee Mason goes to look at that on a screen, he goes, "No, I've made the wrong decision. I'm I'm changing that now." No, I didn't. I didn't really end with a question there, but kind of just what I'm saying is just like kind of what I've used. Kind of like, do you think VR has to stay? And like, how, how does it kind of improve? Because obviously, in my opinion, it's a good tool, but it's still run by the same officials that are on the pitch that are making the mistakes in the first place, and they, they don't want to overrule each other at all. It's the boys' club of the um, of the referees is, is the main problem. I mean, they won't overrule each other's decisions like that. I mean, we've had this season more penalties given against us by VAR, which they then after the fact, said they got it wrong. So we were incorrectly awarded. Then we have actual penalties awarded to the team. It's like, how is the, the VAR and, you know, they, it was meant to be this equaliser where it'll stop, you know, like referees, it'll stop, you know, certain teams getting certain um, decisions. Whereas I think Man United have got more penalties this season than, they, than they've got ever before. And we've got one, but had two given against us, which were then retract. You know, you know, they admitted that they were wrong. It's ridiculous. It's it's it shows how inept our referees are. There's a reason none of our referees go to the World Cup because they're absolutely shocking. Lee Mason yesterday was a joke. I mean, he wasn't the reason we were getting battered in the first half. I don't want people to deflate like always oh, blaming the refs. Like no, but you know what I mean. You feel like you've got to beat the ref as well, like because 
James Ward-Prowse was just running around fouling people all game. And I don't even did he get booked in the end? But he, if he did, it, it wasn't until the end. I'm yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm actually not sure it was think, actually in the end. I don't, don't think he was, but if he was, it was it was a long time in coming. Yeah. But Luca Dean gets booked for just telling the ref to fuck off. Like basically, he's he, he a bit of dissent and he's booked like that. But James Ward Prowse goes around fouling people constantly. He was constantly fouling um, Richarlison. Richarlison was getting fouled by other players as well. Um, Anthony Gordon was getting fouled. It was just ridiculous. They're absolutely the referees in this country. They're on so much money, and they're just awful. Like how could they? This should be the t- the weekend going and you know ready for next season where they have a massive look at the referees. It's don't blame the VAR. It's just it's just technology. Everyone else uses it, but the referees this weekend have got what was it three penalty decisions wrong. Awarded, yeah. it's and they didn't award the one on Anthony Gordon, and that it's just it's like how is that? That is awful. Like that's laughable. Other countries referees must think how the how did the English games have so much money in them and so many good players, but they've got referees who are so sub subpar. Yeah, just kind of followed on from Lee Mason's shocking decisions. Uh, Richardson's going through on goal. He's brought down by Ben Narek, I think it was. It's either it's either a red card or it's not a foul. Like I. I personally don't see how it, it's it's got to be one or the the other because in that kind of position there's no kind of middle ground. It, it's it's a very black and white situation because if it's a foul, he's the last man. And yes, Richardson kind of knocked it away from from goal, but he's still in on goal. Like he's not like going away. And then but then if it's not a foul, why do we still get a free kick in the yellow card? It's as if like it sounds angry that you know we got a free kick in a dangerous position. But the point is just. It's got to be a red card, surely, if that's a foul. I don't even know if it was a foul. To be fair, I think I think he, mm-hmm. the defender did get some contact on the ball, and but you know there was kind of tackles like that happening all over the pitch. Where I mean, Richardson won the ball, and then he got yellow carded, and that, and then I think that was where it all kind of kicked off. You know, it kind of kind of boiled over at one point because just players are winning the ball, but fouls are still being given. It's like Lee Mason was refusing to kind of let the game go because yeah, there are some heavier challenges, but that doesn't mean everything needs to be called for a foul. And then when there are actual fouls, you know, James Ward-Prowse, I mean, he was kicking Richarlison, Gordon, anyone all over the pitch. And we don't think he got a yellow card, but even if he did, I remember checking, he didn't have one in like the 80th minute or at some point. So like, it's just, I can't see how that wasn't a red card if they deem it to be a foul. Because if AR checks that and decides it's a foul and it's a last man, surely, is that a red, surely? Well, if it's a foul, it's a red. You're like, oh, well, he's yeah. not in the box. He's taking the ball away from goal. He's he's not. He's not taking the ball away from goal. He's just moving it. Like it's. It, I personally, I've got to be honest, didn't think it was a foul. I thought. No, it was I, a no I didn't. Yeah. I, he got the ball. Like and it, it's you know it. I, I thought oh, you know what a, what a tackle that is. And then when he blows up, I was like, he's good. He's got to send him off then. If he if he if he's seen a foul, he's got to send him off. And the VAR check for a red card. So it's. I think, I, I don't know. I just think it, the, the referees in this country just make it up as they go along. You know, he wanted to be the star of the show yesterday, Lee Mason, and they, and they so often do the refs in this country. They want to be the, 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 they want to be celebrity refs, and that's what they're trying to do. And I'm, I'm convinced Lee Mason yesterday, he, was, he loved his whistle, but he wasn't booking players with consistent fouling. But then when someone, you know, said something against them, Luca Dean at the end, yellow card. Absolutely embarrassing display from the referee. Yeah, I'm pretty sure as well that if Lee Mason, 
Lido blows for a foul, gives that as a red card on the Southampton defender. I reckon that's overturned by VAR because then they say there is contact with the ball and it's not a foul. But the fact he gave a yellow card, Real's kind of gone, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it's a foul. But obviously they can't overrule a yellow card foul. They've just got to decide if it's a red or not, which is ridiculous. They should have more power than that. And Lee Mason should be able to go and check, you know, wait, that wasn't even a foul. There shouldn't be a yellow, whatever, drop ball. I, I don't know what the restart is from there. But... I reckon if that was given a red card, which Lee Mason should have done if he thought it was a foul in that situation, I reckon that's overruled by VAR, which is frustrating. Yeah, yeah shocking, isn't it? Like, let's be honest, it's just absolutely shocking. Like, referees, like, um, it's... We weren't, we weren't great in the game, but he didn't help, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I think, kind of just moving on from referees, because we don't, we don't want to be too negative. I mean, me and you kind of mentioned this last night on Twitter, and... Some people disagreed with us. I, I personally think we've actually got the shell of a really good team. And I think we showed that in the second half. You know, we do we are dangerous going forwards when we do put together some good attack moves. I think our defence has actually become increasingly solid, especially Michael Keane. Now he's made a massive improvement, I think, since the restart. I think we've got a very good defence. Obviously, Pickford does have his moments, and maybe that could be addressed at some point. I thought, I thought to be fair, he was all right. Um, he made that good save against things from the corner. Uh, but then, obviously... The, the goal they scored was obviously just a very strange kind of fluky miss hit. And then it's, it's confusing for everyone. He could have maybe gone to ground, but we'll kind of move over that. Just kind of, I, I believe this team isn't bad now. I, I think everyone kind of reacted to the game kind of saying, oh, we're awful. We need a complete overhaul. I actually, I, I don't think we do. I think we need more quality and depth. I agree with that because obviously Bernard's coming off the bench and he, he's absolutely useless at the moment. He doesn't seem to be able to do anything. And he's, you know, he's, he's wayward with his passing. He's, he's wasteful in possession. But do you kind of agree that this team now isn't far off? A couple of good, I think, I think a couple of good central midfielders. We need, obviously, very good recruitment now because we have to find the right players for a good price. We don't want to be here again in, I don't know how many years, two or three years and saying, oh, we've got this player or, or that player on two high wages. We, we definitely need good, you know, quality recruitment. But I feel if we do have a central midfield that, you know, I mean, energetic, all we're asking is for a bit of energy in the midfield, you know, that they're willing to go in for a tackle, which I don't think is a lot to ask. Do you think if we sign a player like that, we do actually have, we can kind of kick on and we do have a, a good side under Ancelotti now? I don't think it's as bad as people making out. Like, I think people are massively overreacting. Like, these, this is, you know, a mini tournament with no pre-season. And to boot, we've got a lot of injuries. So, and we're playing a system that doesn't suit a lot of our midfielders. So, I knew going into these games when we only had Gomez, um, Davies and Sigurdsson for centre midfield. Like we're going to have some shock on centre midfield performances here because we have, like you know, our two defensive midfielders. Well, three in the we had at the start of the season, which was Kabamon, Delf, and Schneidlin. And let's be honest, two of them we don't really like anyway. <laughs> um, like two of them are injured, and one of them's been sold, who was also injured. So even if he wasn't sold, he wouldn't be playing now anyway, probably. I don't know what what else people expect. It's like it's the team's not going to look at it. Leicester don't look at it because you know the the restart hit them. The restart hit some of our players. Calvert Lewin doesn't look anywhere near as good as he was playing. But let's be honest, how was he meant to? When he's not getting very good service and he's not got much to work with. Signings would unlock a lot of these other players. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, people aren't just making it up. Andre Gomez has been terrible. 
absolutely terrible. But if there is a good footballer in there, and I think after that, it's, it's, his fucking foot was pointing the other way several months ago. And then he, came, he rushed back, probably got through a couple of games on adrenaline. Then he had the lockdown. So I'm not, I think it's, I'm not expecting him to be pulling up trees at this point anyway. Not to say he isn't, you know, oh, that's an excuse. He can play badly. Then no, it's not. He's still playing poor. But I don't think it's like, oh, but he's crap. He needs to go, like some people are saying. Like, it will be. He's he's not great. He was bought to play number 10. And then when Silver Adam, he never played a number 10 hardly. He kept playing Thigurdsson. And now we don't play a number 10. So that was a stupid decision. But whatever, it's been done. Bernard, I thought Bernard was great when we first got him. He thought he was, I still think he's a good footballer. He's gone badly off the boil. Don't know. Bernard and Awobi, yeah, not playing very well at all. I think the others, there's mitigating circumstances around. You know, Moise Keane, he's he's only a kid. He goes, oh, you can't see anything from him. Like, yeah, but you couldn't see much from Calvert-Lewin at first. And then all of a sudden this season, he started, like, scoring. And and I understand the frustration. Everyone, you know, gets upset when they, you know, they're seeing other teams who have not had as much money spent on them as us getting blown away, blowing us away in that first half, Southampton. But I, honestly, it could be a, if a different, a different, um, how can I say it? A different, like, sort of formula, like, makeup of the team could unlock so many other players. Like, Gomez next to Gabamon or another midfielder could suddenly start playing well. It will be playing on the left with a run of games, could start playing well. You just don't know. I don't think we need a 10 player overhaul. I think we need three, maybe four good players in key positions. Now, it's not as easy as that. You might not, you know, might not get them, but, you know, three or four key signings, especially one in centre midfield, first and foremost could make a world of difference to the rest of the team because there's good players there. The, the two forwards are good. The back four is good. I'm not a fan of Pickford, um, but I don't see him getting replaced this summer. I think it'd be next summer at the earliest. Yeah, I think people are overreacting. I think, you know, it's frustration at, you know, play, at getting the results early on and then, you know, having a dip in form. I think if we'd have had the defeat then a draw to start off with we wouldn't have been as bad but it's sort of you've sort of been let down because we you know we've thought Europa League was the target and it's pretty much gone now honestly it's all about I know we've said this a lot but if you keep changing managers you're going to keep doing it it's all about getting ready for next season now and hopefully this is the manager that sticks because he seems to be a class apart from the ones we've had beforehand he actually knows how to change a game he actually knows how to identify problems on the pitch pulling off players who are not performing, whereas previous managers just leave them on and leave them on until it was too late. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying there, that a key midfielder could just kind of unlock Gomez, because obviously he's been really struggling, but then also Idrissa Gay's left. We haven't, obviously we tried to replace him, Gabamon's been injured, but we're almost asking Gomez to do what he was doing last season. Then you add Idrissa Gay's energy, and then you ask him to come back from an injury. I think he's struggling a lot, but I do agree that I think a key kind of energetic a midfielder that's similar to Ajisa Gay, especially in a four-four-two that that we do you know we do start with. I think that could actually unlock Gomez. I'm not sure about Davies to be fair. I I can't, I'm str- I'm still struggling to see kind of what he's bringing. And obviously we know about Sigurdsson that kind of just balls challenges. He he doesn't he clearly doesn't like playing in, in a in a two in midfield. He wants to play number ten, but he's not going to get to do that now. So I, I, as frustrating as Gomez I think has been. I genuinely feel he just needs a, a better kind of defensive-minded midfielder next to him to kind of let him kind of do what he likes to play. He does, I mean, 
we haven't seen it yet, but I mean, that game against Liverpool last year, we, we won't talk about specifics of what happened in the game, but you know, like, you know, he was, he was bullying players, you know, he was happy to get on the ball, he was happy to carry it forwards. And I think he just can't do that when he's got kind of Davies, who's often out of position next to him, or Sigurdsson, who, you know, is not going to offer any defensive cover. But I think, I think we could just um, end there for now, unless you've got anything else to add. Yeah, I mean, I just, just want to say, because I, I know Owen will watch this and he'll be thinking, fucking excuses again for Gomez. No, he's been shite. He's been absolutely shite. All I'm saying is I don't want him sold. There's some players who I do want sold and I don't see any value in. Gomez, he's been awful. Yesterday, he was as bad as any game Schneidlin had played and I hated Schneidlin. But I don't think he's on the get rid list. I think there could be a player there, whereas other players like a Sigurdsson, yeah, I've seen enough. You know what I mean. But yeah, thank God we've got Carlo because he can. You know, he's doing the best with what he's got with the with the with the three midfielders he's got. He's managing to get results. Um, you know, getting draws and a couple of wins. And I honestly, I was I was terrified going into the restarts with the nature of the games and the midfielders we had available. I, I was worried we were going to do a Schalke and just be battered every game because we had no midfielders. And, and he's managed to somehow cobble together midfielders. We've seen Anthony Gordon in centre midfields. <laughs> We've had, um, you know, Sadiq on the right wing again. He's, he's really, really earning his money at the minute Ancelotti considering what he's got to work with in midfield and he, he's improving players as well everyone's going oh well he needs to improve play well he is look at Michael Keane Seamus Coleman's come back into decent form and I don't mean Seamus Coleman the attacking force he was but he's made Seamus Coleman a defensive right back somehow just, I, I'm glad we've got him but uh, yeah, yeah I just get it that I, I completely agree so kind of all in all disappointing to get a point before the game not a bad point after the game like considering our first half performance but I don't think we've learned anything new and I don't think we know we will now until the end of the season I'm kind of just finished with this year now we're not going to get Europa League I mean we're just we're languishing in you know mid-table let's just get the new season started Carlo can make changes in the summer if he needs and hopefully we can we can do better from there Welcome to the match preview segment for Everton's next Premier League game, which is an away game at Wolves. And it's we're not really in a good place going into this one, really, are we, Terry? I think it's just a like I think we were saying this just before we started recording this route that the season's starting to peter out, isn't it? We've had two very forgettable results on the back of each other against Southampton and Tottenham before that. I think it's one of them. I think we're going into these games now just wanting the season to be over as quickly as possible. But how do you feel about the, this Wolves game with the exception of the obvious apathy that seems to have set in now? I mean, big picture-wise, I'm, I'm pretty pretty comfortable. I know exactly where... You know, I feel exactly the same as I did before the restart. Um, you know, what I'm realistic about what these games are and what, the, you know, what we're likely to see from some of the players that we've got and some of the options Carlo's got. This game in particular, I mean, Wolves had started quite well, hadn't they, um, since the restart, but I think they've tipped off a little bit. Um, it's hard to tell because we haven't played very well since we came back, but we've been very strong defensively. So... There's every, you know, I th- I, I've, I'm just going to come out and say I think this has got draw written all over it. This game, you know, like, both teams are sort of 
middling in their form. You know, we've only lost one game, but our worst two performances were the last two games. I think more um, in the same boat in that respect. They've lost the last two, but they won the three or four before that. Yeah, yeah, and but Wolves have got a lot more to play for. Obviously, they're they're right in the mix for the Europa League, which unfortunately we're not at this point. We're very much rank outsiders. Um, I it, Wolves are a good team. They've got some quality players, and the, th- the thing with Wolves is compared to us, they well, they not only know what they are, they're very well drilled, very well coached, and very you know well practiced in their system and their style of play. We're only just learning ours now under, under Ancelotti. Like, until Ancelotti, well, I take that back. It's not when Ancelotti got here. When Duncan Ferguson took over, we changed to a brand new system, a brand new formation. And obviously, Carlos took that over and, and carries it on from there and added his own like vision to it. That is going to be the formation we play under this manager. And it does suit our better players. It suits our two strikers. And I think it suits our defence as well in in many ways because the two banks of four, it's quite comfortable to um, defend in. But it really upsets the midfielders. So we obviously are a little bit having some growing pains with the formation. That's another state. Um, and Wolves are the opposite. Wolves have played that for two years, three years now. So it's going to be a real, real tough game against Wolves. Yeah, I do fear for our midfield coming up against the likes of a Matinho and a Neves. I think we're not going to have a lot of the ball. I think it is going to be a case of another back-to-the-wall display and it's, it's going to be pretty depressing, I think, because they didn't really show much of a fight without the ball in the last two games and I can't expect that to change all of a sudden in mm. the next one. It's... It's tough. I mean, I think you nailed it there when you said the change of systems upset the midfield. We've had uh, all of our midfielders seem to be used to playing in a 4-2-3-1. Your Sigurdsson, Andre Gomez, they seem to know what their roles were in that formation, whereas neither of them have ever played these kinds of number six, if you like, role. Um, They're doing an absolutely shocking job of it, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean... I thought, I mean, I said this on, on the final word for the for the Southampton game, I thought going into this restart, when we when when we heard the injuries, you know, Kabaman got injured, Delft's injured, I thought that these type of performances in midfield were going to be on the cards um, because you're trying to pick two midfielders out of the three of Gomez, Davies and Sigurdsson. Now, Gomez is, you know, widely considered to be our best centre midfielder. He's been dreadful since the restart. And it's probably part, you know, part fitness. You know, he he got back after the injury. It was a big injury. His fucking foot was placing the opposite way, you know what I mean? And he got back and then played a couple of games, probably all on adrenaline, you know, got back quicker than anyone expected. Then he had the break, which, you know, all players did. So I, I wasn't expecting Gomez to be on fire when he came back after the restart and you know he, he hasn't been to be fair but we expect um, him to be this bad um no of course it wasn't because he, he is a good footballer but I, I did expect you some meek midfield performances because alongside Gomez there's also you know Tom Davies who let's be honest I think even his staunchest defenders are struggling at the minute to defend 
some of the performances he's been putting in since the restart, and then Sigurdsson, who hasn't got any defenders anymore. So it's tough, isn't it? I mean, if we had Gabamon fit and Delph fit, all right, you know, we don't know. Gabamon's an unknown quantity, and Delph, you know, he's been he's Delph. He's been more he's been more missed than hit, hasn't he, since he's come in at all? But I think he'd be doing a better job in a defensive midfield role than any of the players who have been playing because that's what he is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the midfield's the issue, isn't it? Like, it it's not a case of overhauling the whole squad, but the centre midfield is a problem. We've got the three least suitable of the five midfielders at the club to be playing in a pair. I think even if you had Delph and Gabamon, just oh, they're the only two who are fit, they'd probably do a better job than any of the combinations we've tried so far because it is all about physicality and, and energy in centre midfield. And, you know, Gomez is not himself. Um, Sigurdsson, even Doesn't when he have, was... At, I don't think there's such thing as energy. Oh, no. Even, even when he was at his best, he's never been a centre midfielder, has he? And Tom Davis... It's Tom Davis. I don't even know how we got on this point. I've probably done a midfielder, a centre midfield slash Andre Gomez rant on two segments now. No, but it is, it's the big elephant in the room, really, isn't it? The cause of pretty much all of our problems at the moment. I mean, I talk about players like even the more attacking players like Richarlison, Anthony Gordon, Bernard, sometimes being a bit reluctant to take players on. And then you see why, because it's a, it's a risk, obviously, when you take a player on and you might lose the ball. And when we lose mm. the ball, we can't win it back. No. It's, it's How long the system. Does it take us? How long does it take us to win possession back? <laughs> when the other team puts it out. That's it. It's <laughs> literally, if, if the, it's a bad cross and Pickford catches it, or mm. it goes behind, literally. Because you can't yeah. tackle. Midfield, I know. I know, but it's it, it's the thing. The thing is, this this season, we in general and doubly so since the restart. I know we've done this about three or four times now, but if you keep changing manager, it's always going to be the case. We need to stick with one. I think this is the right but one to stick with. Please tell me, no, please tell me, nobody's wanting Ancelotti sacked. Oh, there's a there's probably no one with half a brain anyway. There's people who there's not there's not people already. Come on. That's sacked for the going R. It's, you know, if Allardyce turns in these performances, even though Ancelotti's oh. getting, even though Ancelotti's getting those most of these points, like with his tactics and tactical changes. But in any case, it, it, this season, and especially since the lockdown, is all about it, the new manager implementing his style, his system, and then building up from there. So we've got a better manager than we probably could have attracted any time prior to when he came in. He's got a set way of playing. He's always liked 4-4-2. I've read his book. It's not just something he's doing here. It's always been his formation. There's only two players he's ever changed as 4-4-2-4. And one was Zidane and one was Cristiano Ronaldo. So he's not changing it here like for Tom Davies or Andre Gomez, let's be honest. Um, well, I think he did use this 4-4. It was like a narrow 4-4-2, wasn't it, at AC Milan? Yeah, I think yeah, like, it was the diamond, I think, yeah. Yeah, Kaka was the, like, sort of spearhead of the diamond, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, but it's still a variation on a 4-4-2 with the two strikers, isn't it? But in any case, that's the system he's put in, and he's got, and he, you know, the whole 
once he came in, it was like, right, the rest of this season, do what you can with the league, do what you can with the players you've got, and then in the summer, we'll have a look and we'll see where we need positions. We don't need a full squad overhaul. Two or three, you know, good buys in key positions could unlock the rest of the squad. Look at Bruno Fernandes and Man United, they were terrible. Now, OK, they've got a higher sort of base level than we have at the minute, but one player took them from being, you know, like, knocking around eighth to could possibly finish third. Whereas I think two or three players, if we sign who were, who were the right fit, they could take us from where are we now, 11th, 12th, could take us into the top six. It's just about finding the right players. We don't need to bin everyone, but we did buy but a different manager in a different formation. So some recruitment is going to be required and recycling players is going to be required because all of a sudden you find the Sigurdsons, possibly the Awobis, haven't got homes in this formation because there's no way Definitely to I think the, the performances we've seen so far, and not just post-lockdown, I think since Ancelotti's arrived, you can tell that these kind of players aren't fit for purpose in a 4-4-2 formation. But uh, you're saying we don't need many players to come in to maybe see a transformation. You could be fooled if you see the state of social media at the moment. You're like There's been some serious knee-jerking going on, hasn't there, on, um, particularly on Twitter since... The game finished last night. I can't, I can't blame anyone. You want, I mean, I don't agree with it. But you see, you see bad performances, and you see players playing badly. You are going to react strongly. But um, it's just it. It's again, it's frustrating as well because we've, you know, you say to someone, it's all about the summer and preparing for next season. They've heard that three or four times now, and it's and it's not worked each time. But it is. I feel it's more true now than it ever was. Like. You've actually got a manager who's worth sticking with. You know, we were saying that when it was, oh, well, we'll get Koeman in and we'll get rid of the Martinez players and we'll get him, you know, Silver in and we need to move on from all these players that Koeman bought. And now we've got Ancelotti, we'll move on from these players Silver bought. It's not about moving on from the players Silver bought. It's, it's using the ones who suit this new formation, like Calvert Lewin, like Richarlison, and building around that. So a, a centre midfielder, the right one, two if if you're not, you know, thinking a Bamman's going to come back, and then one or two others, and and you're totally a different team. But that's that's we've gone madly off topic here because this is not a, anything to do with the Wolves game. But I'm sure people don't mind. Well, I think it's one of those. It's symptomatic of what I think we're all feeling going into these games is that the Wolves midfield is far superior to ours, and it's going to overrun it. I think that's how we ended up getting onto this. Well, I think it's the like you said at the top of top of the segments. The the games are so sort of meaningless almost at this point that you you know you do sort of uh, conversations naturally drift away from the match coming up to what's going to happen when we all finish. Because if we beat Wolves, we're still not in the Europa League. You know what I mean? If we lose to Wolves, we're still not anywhere near the relegation zone. It is very much a middle. It's dead. What? How many more games? Four more games, and they're all dead rubbers. Let's be honest. Yeah, at this point they are. It's it's all about um just it's practice, practice in the four four two. Um you know, Carlo's done quite well with so you know, he's made a made a better player of um, Michael Keane for the start. I just wanna see there's a couple of things I wanna see out of the rest of this season now and, and one is Anthony Gordon to carry on playing 
Another is Calvert Lewin to get another goal to get his confidence back going, and, and another is is I know he hasn't been great, but I'd like to see Moise Keane play more and see if yeah. he can score. I'd like to see a few. He, I'd like to see a few more of the kids, to be honest, to get a bit of game time. I think the only ones who we can bank on seeing are the ones we have seen. I think Gordon and, and Keane are going to be probably the only players who could be considered the young players who are going to come in. I've I've given up on seeing Beningami and Branthwaite and who have yet, you know, other than injury. And that, that's fine the time. You know, some of them aren't going to be good enough and the likes of Branthwaite the time will come down the line. But the fact I, um, is, though, is, is there ever a better time to give these people a go when there's... We're talking four dead rubbers, no fans on the ground. It's, it's surely the best opportunity we'll get to see what these players, whether they've got a place in the team. So, well, yeah, but it depends on your perspective. Roberto Martinez, after the game yesterday, says he, he wouldn't like he wouldn't look at it like that. He doesn't think Ancelotti's looking at it like that. He, he wants to finish as strongly as possible. He's going if if Ancelotti can, he'll try and win the next four games. And finish as high up the table as possible. I mean, just for the pride's sake. I mean, you, with Everton Football Club, you, you know, you you don't want to be finishing in the bottom half. Like, oh, yeah. not even not even commenting on the teams who are in the top half. But there's one or two there who, you know, they're, they're not they're not a patch on Everton size wise, and they've had you know good seasons and credit to them, not discrediting them. But we want to be, you know, at least giving ourselves that. You know, like no, we didn't finish in the bottom half. We didn't finish below. Burnley, Sheffield United, if we can help it, even in a bad season. You know, it's, it's one of those. We talk about maybe trying to maintain pride, but these players aren't playing with pride sometimes. You know, well, how much worse could the kids do? I definitely, I mean, I've not seen a lot of Beningham. I've seen what most other people have seen when he came in a couple of years ago. I think he'd do a better job than any of the centre midfields at the minute just by having actual energy but I wouldn't I'm, I'm not crying out for it because I don't, if he's not going to he's not in the manager's plans he's not going to play him and there's no point wishing for him to he's pro- it's, not about, it's not about a long term plan though is it I don't think I don't think it's down to obviously I don't think Beningami or any of the current midfielders we've been using are in the long term vision for Ancelotti but for short term for actually getting us over the line at the end of this season and maybe getting a few more points on the board. Could Benigni be any worse than Davis, Sigurdsson and Gomez so far? That'd be pretty bad, wouldn't he? But um, if you know your... Say Benigni, say they're looking at moving Benigni on in the summer. They're not going to play him in a meaningless game because they might, you know, he might get injured and, and you know, what, what have you. They're just... I, you've got to just trust the manager. He, he looks at them every single day in training. He might he might look up and me in training and go, he's not a patch on Tom Davis, him, so why am I going to play him? You know what I mean? Like you just it, it's frustrating because you want to see change. What what you what you mean by play Beningamy is probably don't half, play, don't play Davis Sigurdsson or yeah, half half don't play insert name one of the other three and half I wish Gabbard was fit because you just. That that that's all it is. We're clearly missing a defensive midfielder, and our two defensive midfielders are injured. And one of them, you know, hopefully the better one has been injured for a long time, so he's got that sort of luster as well. That like, oh, he could be, you know, the longer he's out, the better he gets in people's heads. Oh, he'll fix it. You know what I mean? Like he could come in and he's worse than a lot of them. But that's, 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 you've nailed it there. To be honest, mate, it's. 
Jabamon could be god awful. He could be even worse than any of the names we've just named. But because we haven't seen anything of him, he's the best defender in the world. If Richarlison was injured and Keenan Calvert Lewin were terrible together, they weren't playing well at all. People would be crying out for Ellis Sims. And it's not because they think Ellis Sims is great. They probably haven't even seen him. But it's the fact that, well, we'll try something different. What they mean is we missed the first choice player and we wish we had him fit. And I think that's a little bit of that. It's just frustration. But I think it, they've got a good point, though, at times. I think the whole insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Oh, this is the thing. If you're going to play your system, if that's your plan going forward, play the system and let the players get on with it. And then when you've got better players, the system, you know, it'll work even better. Yeah, I'm not knocking Carlo or the system. It's more maybe just see if if Beningami maybe does a little bit of a better job in in the system in terms of not leaving us so exposed in midfield. As I mean, with I saw a few little photographs of little snapshots of how exposed our midfield got at times in that game. Against Southampton, I was just thinking, come on, there's got to be a bit of a brain in there. Come on. That don't make Gomez as left back. <laughs> yeah, pretty bad that. Yes. Anyway, that's just another game, another match closer to the end. And then again, you won't, won't be a sudden, oh, everything's brilliant now in the summer, but at least um, there'll be some business and Carlo will have some better tools to work with going into next season. But what I. What I can say is, Carlo's not stupid. He's he's looking at these players and he's not and he's it's not he's not oblivious to who's letting them down and who isn't. Yeah, I think that's what's gonna. I think the crucial thing we're gonna have to see who we can get rid of as well, whether or not it impacts on the players who come in or whatever. But just who can we get rid of? Because it tells me who Carlo's clearly not satisfied with, and hopefully it's the same ones that. We're talking about here who we're not satisfied with because some of them have made a mockery of the club both before and after Carlo came in. So it'd be good to see some of those players go. But unfortunately, it's four more games of sucking up, seeing them put on an Everton shirt, which is just an abomination in itself. Yeah, could be worse. Could support West Ham or Villa. <laughs> Well, especially West Ham with David Moyes in charge. Yeah, to be fair, it could be better though. We could have Alex Niaho in midfield. I know. I feel like we have sometimes. Honestly, it's like I don't know what it is. It's just it's one thing after another, isn't it? I mean, just hopefully the Wolves game we can maybe. It's I'm not expecting anything to be honest. I'm expecting more disappointment, and and it feels like I'm proper. Di- I said this to the viewers when I was doing my mass reactions to the last couple of games. You're coming on here to watch me be really depressing and literally mm-hmm. see nothing positive, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it because I can't see anything positive happening given the way things have been the last couple of games. And I think I said, didn't I, before the lockdown finished, before the Premier League resumed, I was saying to you, I want you feared. Everton's players not being very well motivated and putting in disinterested performances and the last two games have kind of hammered that home for me I don't even think against Southampton they were disinterested I just think they were fucking shell-shocked by how much faster and more energetic they were it wasn't that they didn't want to win they were just shit like Wobie does care he just can't do it like Andre Gomez and Tom Davis are trying to play but they're just a yard slower than everyone else they're coming up against in centre midfield. 
Uh, Tottenham, you are right. There, there was a massive lack, massive amount of disinterest in that game, but I, I, it won't be tolerated. You, Carlo, it, you know what I mean. We've had we've had weak managers at this at this club. You know, we Silva was probably the worst of them. He, you know, was yeah. a walkover. Carlo Ancelotti is like Seamus Coleman said it himself. Carlo Ancelotti is not here to be mid-table. So if you are putting in mid-table performances, you're not long for the club. Well, uh, I think Seamus himself could do with stepping it up a bit there. <laughs> well, I think he's been better defensively than he had been, but you know he's. Oh no, he's not. He's, he's not. He's been far from the worst, but again, he's still. Got a way to go. Yeah, I think. yeah, I know what you mean. What you're saying is, I only feel like Richarlison can get away with saying that. You know what I mean? Like you have to be playing well to make comments. No, like li- that. literally, you need to be like leading the way. But I certainly, as a captain, I know that's why he's saying it because he's the captain. But for me, he's not captain material. Another conversation for another day. That will we'll, we'll well, save that. That's <laughs> certainly another one. It's like, is there any such thing as captain material in this squad? So. Again, another thing for maybe summer recruitments, and there's definitely if, if we might not be able to make great shows about match previews and going into these games, but we'll certainly have some great content coming your way in the next few weeks about bringing in new players by the looks of it, because there's so many cans of worms we've opened in this show alone. It seems. <laughs> Look forward to. But uh, yeah, that, that's it. I'm certainly looking forward to that more than I'm looking forward to the Wolves game. Uh, Going back onto that, obviously Wolves have lost the last two games, so the most pessimistic Everton fans out there certainly will be putting up the ha-ha time for Everton meme now. Yeah. It's around that time, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to be fair, I'd be well, they're well in the right minds. We haven't played well. I don't expect us to play well. And they have got some very good players, Wolves as well, haven't they? You know, we've got Jimenez and oh my god, the idea of Traore picking the ball up deep and running at our midfielders is just like sent me. Yeah, I just hope he 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 comes on and plays on the the left because I think you know of any of our players, Coleman might have a better chance against them than um, Dean. Just oh, Luca Dean is like he he taught him a new one in the game of Goodison, which we actually won. But yeah. uh, Bullied him, but I can't hold that against him because he bullied two players. He's absolutely yoked, isn't he? He's massive. Oh, yeah, no, he, he, he does that to pretty much everybody. But the idea that he does drop deep and pick the ball up in midfield and run, and I'm just thinking of Traore sprinting through that amount of space that Gomez left by playing left back, and I'm just not looking forward to seeing that. Uh, well, it'd be entertaining if nothing else. Oh, we entertain him, but uh, you're not the one who's going to be doing a match reaction afterwards. True. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's not really much else to touch on apart from the fact that uh, yeah, I think they've got more motivation than us for starters, and obviously league position dictates that as well because they're still pushing for Europe. But there isn't really much else to discuss apart from the fact that our defence is quite good and hopefully that's the only thing that can stop us being absolutely mullered in this game yeah I'm going to say board draw draw. I'm just not feeling too optimistic I'll see we get beat 2-1 I don't think especially in an away game I think it'll be unfortunately another repeat of Spurs except against the team who are actually in better form than Spurs I don't think it will be as bad as that again. We might lose, but I don't think we'll see another performance like that. I don't think the oh, performance... 
But to be fair, compared to the Spurs' results, actually, I've been optimistic. I said we'd score. Yeah, true. Says he's actually getting the box and like threatening the goal, so that's pretty optimistic as far as I'm concerned. Well, at least the games are, are coming at you fast. There's not enough time to dwell on one before the next one's up, is there? I know. I'd like it to be the Bournemouth game coming up this weekend, to be honest, and have the season done with. To be honest, it's I'm at that point of sheer apathy, and I mean, it happens to us Everton fans at certain points of every season. I think. In the last, certainly in the last few years but mm. none quite like this particularly with us not being having no one in the ground and stuff I think it's just one of them get it out of the way and get it done now I, we had three months without it mate I'm not bored of it yet I'm still happy it's, it's here in whatever fashion it takes it could be better but it could be a lot worse yeah it could be a lot worse I've, um, yeah nah it couldn't be worse I don't think <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say no, you could support West Ham and David Moyes today made a comment that he's reminded his defenders to not concede goals <laughs> oh, nice one to, I feel sorry for West Ham fans because no, the whole Parisia were pushing for us to aim to, to, to fucking fall on that sword oh no well, what was it Mark Hogden who said that Moyes would be a better option than Carlo Ancelotti yeah, and then he said, well, at first he said, Moyes is the best we could hope for. Um, and then he said, he doubled down on it when we got Ancelotti and said, long term, Moyes will be a better option than Ancelotti. is." like, will really he though? I'm telling you, if Ancelotti gets sacked, even next season, because it goes to shit, it would have took less time um, under, under David Moyes. Oh, we yeah. would we would probably be in the relegation battle if we had Dave Moyes, I think. Absolutely. Still. Well, it's worth remembering at the time, I think Ancelotti and Moyes sort of took over within about a week of each other. We yeah. were we were 15th and West Ham was 16th. We're now 11th and West Ham are still 16th. Yeah, but the points is a lot different. We're like, what, like well over 10 points clear of the relegation zone. Well, well, that's, like... that's the point. I mean, 11th's not great, but it's not 15th. Yeah, <laughs> it's they'd swap with us, put it that way. But yeah, most certainly. Certainly wouldn't swap manager. I mean, oh, can you imagine back in the day when Moyes was saying sixth or seventh is the best we could realistically do? Now he'd be saying like something like 17th is the best we can realistically do. <sighs> don't, just don't. <laughs> Sorry I brought that up now. Just imagine it, it depresses me. I mean, I mean, to be fair, just the fact that we haven't got, just the fact that you brought up the fact that we haven't got Moyes in charge, that's actually given me a bit of a boost of optimism. <laughs> so, well played for doing that. And um, yeah, we'll leave, we'll finish this on a rare high note, today, shall we? I think that that's about as positive as this show has been. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. So there you go, guys. Let us know how you feel going into the Wolves game. Are you a bit more optimistic than I am? I mean, I don't think it'd be difficult. For you podcast listeners, it's uh, unfortunately another quizless week. We're going to have to just finish with a song. It's just the two of us, unfortunately. That's not the song we're finishing with, by the way, uh, despite what Mil- Will Smith might have liked. Uh, but, yeah. oh, why can't we use that now? <laughs> that wasn't... <laughs> yeah, was, we, we're going to have a big discussion over what our favourite songs are and that, and we don't even need to now because we've just brought... I've opened the Will Smith can of worms there. What? Uh, I think Will Smith is a 
Well, if it were for going Will Smith, maybe Miami, because um, the club have said, haven't they? Well, the club haven't said it's come out that the club were meant to be in America for pre-season. Yeah, if coronavirus hadn't happened, we'd be in America looking to build our brand. And we did that sort of um, e-friendly between Richarlison and one of the Inter Miami players. Right, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was something arranged originally for us to do something with Inter Miami, maybe a friendly, or we'll you know be in Florida, which would have been amazing. Like I mean, I mean Miami, just... Miami, Miami would be pretty uh, fitting anyway because all the Everton players now are currently playing like they're on the beach. So, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's something the club needs to do. Um. It's not only to build a brand in America, just in general, because how long has everyone been crying out for that? Like, not just those, you know, other fan channels have said that as well. It's just a no-brainer. I don't know why they haven't done it. It'd be obviously great for, you know, American guys and the Toffee Blues crew, like Jerry and it's, it's good to It's good to have the uh, Toffee Blues USA shows up and running as well, which is... Yeah, exactly. Well. Yeah. If, if, you know, if they went anywhere in the States, they'd be, I think they'd be packing up and going to them. Um... But I'm telling you, in if they went to South America, it, sorry, if they went to Miami, the South American players, excuse me, would be massive there. Richarlison, Yeri Mina, because of the South American sort of like community and influence in in Florida, you could imagine like Brazil internationals and like Colombian internationals would be quite you know sought after there. It'd be quite popular. It's like we went to, um, where did we go? Kenya. Was it Kenya for the Sport Peza thing when we first got with them and Yannick Balassi because he played for Congo was like a mega star there. It's like he's shit. Imagine, imagine if a Charleston <laughs> or something. Imagine if Charleston turns up, he scored like the winning goal to win the um, the tournament for Brazil, the last tournament. Like it'd be, he'd just be a, like a star there. That's what we need to do. Like just you know we tap need to in see, the seize more opportunities like that. I mean. Yeah, the sitters just tap in the sitters. I can't believe we didn't go to DC when Rooney was there. Maybe, I, there was rumour we were going to. I don't know whether it was planned. I think, it never... I think it's one of them. The most important thing for us going into pre-season is that we don't have to do any more of these stupid sport peasant PR moves. Well, yeah. I mean, I there's nothing, um, it's nothing like that for Kazoo, <laughs> to be honest. And we haven't got the time to do them anyway. But I, I, America... Is the no-brainer. We should, we've missed the boat so much. We've had Matt. We've had probably the most high-profile American player in the Premier League in Tim Howard, and we didn't really capitalize on it that even, much. Even, even then, we've had like an American player in the squad almost like throughout. I mean, going all the way back to Freddie, I think for Americans. You know, you've had you've had Brian McBride, Joe Maxmore, Landon Donovan. Yeah, Tim Howard was the big one. Donovan was Donovan was quite big. Amongst like soccer, you know, football fans in America, wasn't he? But he didn't really penetrate into the mainstream. Whereas Tim Howard, after that World Cup in 2014, was like every single meme on the internet was about him just saving the world. Like, you know, you could save anything the Secretary of Defense. Yeah, I mean, we went to America the summer before that in 2013, but we should really have done it within a couple of years of that, particularly while Howard was still there. Yeah, well, you know. Just a waste, a complete waste. But there's no reason why we can't do it now. And then, like I think Florida would be ideal, considering you know what I said before. And into Miami, you know, 
that'd just be amazing. How good would that be? So how's, how's that for the songs? Go for a funny one. Go, go for Miami. Miami by Will Smith. That's an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are we going to end up? I was thinking like living in America, going back to like another Rocky Four song. It's just like oh, this, I'm, this I'm is just really the Rocky Four soundtrack now. I'm up for that if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> now nah, we'll go with Miami. Let's go with our first show. We'll go with Will Smith and Miami, shall we? Yeah, we'll do that because we've then explained why we're using it so we can uh, get round copyright laws, I suppose. <laughs> cough, cough. Um, <laughs> yeah, FBI. And if Will Smith listens, which I'm sure he does. Um, I'm sure you'll forgive us for using his song without asking permission. But we had good reasoning as he could, as he's just there. Um, to be fair, we've been big enough the song, so, you know. Yeah, it's a tune. Absolute tune. It's a banger, and um, <laughs> you'll get to listen to that banger now because we're going to finish up there and we'll leave you with Bill Smith Miami to be a the show. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you later. This the type of town I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing. Rainstorms ain't nothing to mess with, but I can't feel a drip on the strip. It's a trip. Ladies have dress, pull of your quip, and they be screaming out. So I'm thinking I'ma scoop me something hot in this south. Summer rain game melting pot. Hottest club in the city, and it's right on the beach. Temperature, get to ya, it's about to reach. 500 degrees in the Caribbean cities with the hot mommy screaming. Every time I come to town, they be spotting me. In the drop, Bentley ain't no stopping me. So cash in your dough and flow to this fashion show. Pound for pound, anywhere you go. Yo, ain't no city in the world like this. And if you ask how I know, I got to plead the fair. Is the city that we know don't sleep, and we all know that LA and Philly stay jiggy. But on the snake, Miami bringing heat for real. Y'all don't understand. I never seen so many Dominican women with cinnamon tans. Mira, this is the plan. Take a walk on the beach, draw a heart in the sand. Give me your hand. Damn, you look sexy. Let's go to my yacht in the West Keys, ride my jet skis, lounge under the palm trees. Cause you gotta have cheese for the summer house peace on South Beach. Water so clear, you can see to the bottom. Hundred thousand dollar cars, everybody got them. Ain't no surprise in the club. This is Stallone, Miami, my second home. Party in the city where the heat is on all night on the beach till the break of dawn. Welcome to my Bouncing in the club where the heat is on all night on the beach till the break of dawn. I'm going to Miami. Welcome to Miami. Party in the city where the heat is on all night on the beach till the break of dawn. Welcome to Miami. City with a heat. Raises the European top of the top. And the Everton 